Hi, I'm Sam Fesich from the EduMagic Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Today I'm talking with Don Trumbull, who will share with us what an EMP is, why we should want to know, what to do about it, and he'll also tell us about his book called Safe States. Thanks for listening. Lots to learn today. Don't forget to share and subscribe. Enjoy. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. Now here's Steve with this week's show. Don Trumbull is a former air carrier president and director of operations. Following a 10-year mission exploring the vulnerability of our U.S. air carriers' supply chains to the catastrophic threat of solar flare electromagnetic pulse, in 2019 his broader findings inspired a civilian countermeasure system called the Safe State Project an achievable on-site defense for individuals, communities, and emergency services. The Safe State countermeasure is a low-cost alternative to hardening the critical infrastructures. Don is the author of the upcoming book, Safe States, which is a novel that focuses on the potential impact of EMP on our world as we know it. Well, Don, thanks for joining us today, and say hi to everyone. You know, Steve, it's a pleasure. Uh, This is a heck of a topic, heck of a topic, and I'm glad we're talking about it. Well, I'm glad we are, too. And, uh, And before we get into the meat of everything... You know, in your um, one of the things that uh, I noticed in your bio is that you're a former air carrier president and director of operations. Tell us a little about what you did in these two roles. Were you ever, and were you ever a pilot? I was. I was. Yeah. And you know, I've been in aviation since I was about 20 years old. And uh, I started off. I went the civilian route, and uh, gosh, I opened up a multi-engine flight school, and I I trained other instructors to teach people how to fly multi-engine airplanes, and ended up going into the airlines. And it was uh, it was 2001, September 11, 2001, when the airlines, you know, had the big hiccup, and everybody was grounded, and pilots were getting furloughed. It was at that point that myself and a few other furloughed pilots decided to open up a uh, executive charter company, and we did that in 2001, and uh, it grew fairly quickly. We started uh, flying jets all over the country. We were flying corporations, managing other corporations' airplanes, and ended up expanding along the West Coast. And we started flying worldwide. So it was, it was a very interesting business to be in. And as the director of operations, it was, it was kind of my job to ensure that we had safety in everything we did. Uh, we had to manage all of the operations that we were authorized to do. And any time we wanted to get a new authorization, that was kind of the director of operations job is to uh, work with the FAA and come up with policies and procedures that would, you know, uh, maintain safety at the highest level. And it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Very cool. The, uh, that's, that's awesome. I, and, and by the way, you have a pilot voice. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if I just inherited that over time. <laughs> I don't know, but it's, it's, it's a good voice. 
It's a good voice. I feel comfortable. We get uh, <laughs> um, the uh, so, so today we're going to talk about your book, Safe States, which focuses on something called an EMP and its impact. Could you talk a little bit about what EMP means, what it stands for, and uh, and why it could be devastating sure. to our country? Sure, sure. Yeah, EMP. It stands for electromagnetic pulse, and uh, the big concern to us about regarding an EMP is the fact that it is it's such a powerful force and this force can be we can receive it from two primary sources you know the sun will have a solar flare or a coronal mass ejection and that creates such a powerful geomagnetic uh, force on the earth if we're in the bullseye zone and uh, that force will attack our grids, uh, the large apertures on the ground, our communications, our power grids, and it will heat them up. And it will fry all of the, 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 the components, the critical components of those systems. And, you know, it's happened before. We've got uh, the Carrington, Carrington event, which happened in 1859. Uh, you know, a lot of people are, know about that, but a lot of people don't. And that's when it hit our telegraph lines. Back then, telegraph was pretty much the only technology we had. But it uh, it ignited a lot of the telegraph lines, and it destroyed a lot of the systems. So if that event were to happen today, it would do the same thing. It would just it would have a cascading effect, and all of our power grids and our communication grids would go down. But the... The more concerning uh, source of an electromagnetic pulse is the nuclear weapon. And when a nuclear weapon is detonated at a very high altitude, it will send down uh, three distinct waveforms. Uh, they call them the E1, the E2, and the E3. And the E3 is very similar to what the sun does. It goes, it, it goes after our large apertures on the ground, uh, power grids communications it'll take those down but the e1 and the e2 will get into our, our electronics and even our autonomous electronics you know regardless of whether they're plugged in or not and that's the big devastating concern we should all have as americans because it's the one way that you know an enemy can can take take america out it is our achilles heel our infrastructure was so self-reliant on our technology and the grids. And if an enemy can use one single nuclear weapon and detonate it over the center of the United States, we can lose our grids and our technology from coast to coast. And it, it has a devastating effect. And I want to make sure we go back and, and uh, mention a couple of things that you, you shared. One of the things you shared was a coronal yeah. mass ejection. Now, I'm, that's like stuff out of the sun, right? Right. Just kind of throws it out there. Right. This is a solar storm. Gotcha. Happens all the time. The sun's doing it all the time. But uh, you know, it's rare that we become in the path of that that storm. But it happens, and it happens on an earthly time scale. You know, I think the experts uh, say that generally it occurs. We we arrive in the bullseye zone of a solar event every 150 years and with 1859 being the last major one we're right in the window for another wow 
Wow. The, uh, and, and so then, you know, thanks to uh, human beings, we can uh, create uh, <laughs> our own versions of that. Um, and, and so, you know, we just talked a little bit about that EMP burst being natural. Um, can you talk a little bit about, uh, let's, let's shift now into how that, uh, um, can be as a device and how it could be used as a weapon. So as a nuclear weapon, it's got to go up in the, so are we talking about something that has to be launched as a missile or? Well, to maximize the effect, you know, there's a sweet spot in our atmosphere and we're talking hundreds of miles up. So we're, we're really looking at, uh, satellite altitudes and, uh, you know, missile altitudes that will, you know, go up into space and, and enter our atmosphere and detonate at that sweet spot. So to get a massive EMP attack, it would require uh, very high altitude satellite missile delivery. But it can happen at lower altitudes as well. You know, terrorists can get a hold of smaller nuclear devices, and they can be delivered via weather balloon and even, you know, airliners. We're talking a much smaller scale. So it goes from the small scale at a lower altitude to a very higher range at the higher altitudes. So we can get it from all sides. Gotcha. The, uh, so, you know, one of the things that uh, um, you started talking about before was that we, we need to be aware of all this because this is, the, you know, the, the threat that it poses. Um, you know, it's uh, one of the things that uh, you can't, not but pay attention to the world and you see that I, I think a little difference between you know when I was when I was a kid and a teenager um, you know we were pretty much on the brink of uh, it felt like we were on the brink of nuclear war at different times and uh, yes and I I think sometimes today I don't know if you'd agree with me or not but I think sometimes today what uh, we it kind of feels like people don't really want to recognize that there's a possibility that we're you know, in an environment in which things like this can happen, that it's kind of like something from the past. I mean, what do you think about that? Well, I totally agree, Steve. You know, it's, we've been conditioned, uh, and myself included, you know, it's, it's, it's what we see on the, on the mainstream news. It's what we see in Hollywood. It's what we, what we hear from our politicians. It has nothing to do with, uh, you know, uh, our vulnerability. The main message is that we are so safe. We don't have to worry about anything. We're just fine. And, you know, that's why we hear a lot of these radical politics going on. And uh, no mention of our actual vulnerability, our actual unsafe, reckless vulnerability. And it's kind of a brick wall. And that's our, our main purpose. Our main goal is to kind of break through that brick wall re-engage the human mind, uh, really worldwide, but especially here in, in the United States, because, you know, the world is getting very crazy, and our Achilles heel is our infrastructures, and they're wide open right now. So uh, it's just a, it's a product of our modern day. We're so self-reliant on, on technology, and our powers that be don't want us to think that we're unsafe. Yeah, it's, a, you know, it's a political tactic. It's a scary thought, too, that uh, <laughs> how vulnerable. I mean, because if, if we 
move away from bombs and things like this. And um, I mean, we can see how the vulnerability when like someone crash, you know, takes down a server or uh, suddenly there's a company that's apologizing for the millions of people who have now had their information right. compromised <laughs> because, um, you know, the, right. not to mention certain motel chains and certain retail operators, but <laughs> you know, that, that it suddenly yeah. had apologized and it shows you how, how in uh, just something like that, that we're, we have a weakness. So, um, right. Right. And you'll, you'll hear, you know, a lot of talk about cyber warfare and that's a good thing. And, you know, that's, it's interesting because they'll talk about cyber warfare and they'll talk about the need to harden our infrastructures against cyber warfare, but they rarely go down to the next level, which is solar flare, uh, and EMP, you know, it's, they don't want to talk about that because the minute they go down into that level, now we're talking about, you know, hundreds of millions of deaths and suffering and starvation and uh, the solution to that is also something that it kind of goes against the politics we hear today. So it's like we've been boxed in and, you know, our, our government has said so many things to keep us in that safe mode. It's really difficult for them to say, well, you know, uh, we need to, to talk about our real vulnerability. And it's just, it's a difficult thing for our government to do. And we need to help our government do that by somehow breaking through that brick wall, getting the American people aware of it, and compelling them to talk about it. I think that's our only hope. So let's, let's go into that just a little bit further. So how could we go about, yeah. uh, first of all, how can... Uh, you know, just a regular citizen, find out more. Well, uh, and I, I guess what I really read, mean is understanding. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the difficult part because there is so much misinformation out there. And uh, that has been kind of our driving force. You know, we became aware of this back in 2008. And this was something, you know, we were involved in aviation. We were running a, a good company that was flying all over the place. And it was aviation all day, but then we were out of the blue asked to uh, look at defending a few special use air carriers so that they could survive an event like this. So that a certain fleet of aircraft could uh, continue operating if we were attacked by an EMP or if the grids went down so that they could perform emergency services. And it was at that point we became aware of it. And uh, it, it turned out to be a fairly simple operation. Uh, it's simply, you know, preserving a backup infrastructure and we went about developing the procedures to do that. And we watched as, you know, time went on, we'd heard our government talking about hardening the infrastructures, and we believed that that was going to happen. And it, uh, it, it didn't happen. And in fact, we, we kind of reverted to not even discussing it anymore. So that's where we all came to the conclusion that, listen, we're, we've got this carnal knowledge, and how do we get that out there? How do we break through the brick wall? So 
we came up with a plan to write a book, write a fiction that was based in fact, something that would resonate in the hearts and the minds of the people so that they could see the true vulnerability, so that they could see how easy it is to defend the people and what it's like if you don't defend the people. So we wrote the same state's novel, but that was just the first component. Uh, and, you know, we recommend that people go out there and read this book and learn about, you know, what it's like to defend and what it's like not to defend. But the second part of it is we want to develop a platform where people could join the same team, a team that wants to have their family safe, a team that wants to have their community safe. And we, you know, kind of revamped the countermeasure that we developed for the air carriers and we made it into a very simple three-step process for the general public. And uh, that's really, I, I believe, we're the only platform out there. So it's a big hill. It's a really big nut to crack. And, you know, our goal is to just go step by step, develop that platform get this message resonating in the minds of the people and you know who's to say whether it will work or not but at least we're trying and that's what we need we need more people out there trying to break through this brick wall and uh if we can then america can survive strong we can still be self-reliant on our our technology but we have a backup so our freedom becomes defended america survives appropriately and everything can be hunky-dory and hopefully nothing will ever happen but at least we have a backup right and that's you know i I think that's you know the whole preparedness aspect and and first of all just kind of um making people aware is an interesting aspect unto itself now we're recording this in january a big challenge um a very big challenge january of 2020 and uh you're your book just came out, right? It did, yeah, uh, days ago. That's what I thought. So, you know, just as a, a note, so it's available on Amazon and other places? Yes, yep. Go to Amazon. It's on Amazon. We've got, uh, uh, it will be coming out in bookstores as well. Very cool. So, so it's just launching. And the Safe State Project is up and running, and Countermeasure is on there, and people can go on there. It's a... It's free to, to go on there. We're not looking to make money, although, you know, we do want people to help us. So I would, I would recommend people read the book and go to the, the safestateproject.com, see what we're doing, get on the team, and help this evolve into uh, something safe, change what we're at now. So let's let's talk a little bit about the the book itself. It's a novelization, which I heard you say, and it's yeah. um, and it's all about after it happens, right? It, you know, after this attack would happen. Is that what it is? What the world would be like? Uh, yes and no. It 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 really is. It starts out just before the attack. So uh, and it it contemplates the America we live in today. You know, and unfortunately, we live in a divided nation, uh, and the division is is getting to be pretty significant. So we thought it was critical that we really, we 
we contemplate the brutal truth. And in this story, uh, a threat is is announced by uh, a a high official, and you know we've got divided politics. So that high official who announces a threat that you know uh, North Korea and Iran both have the ability to take us out. We can defend ourselves likely, but one could get through. And if one gets through, America's done. So it, it contemplates that brutal truth, and it contemplates the fact that we haven't been hardened, and we need to do something you know, quickly. And so the, the community shielding program was recommended. And in a divided nation with divided politics, we can all imagine how that was received. You know, some would embrace it, and some would reject it. So in this storyline, you've got half the states that are defended, and you've got half the states that are undefended. And then the attack comes, and it contemplates how all of that works out, how the defended states try to help the undefended states, the independent states have no way, no process, no procedure to receive food from the outside, to distribute it, you know, amongst uh, the, the undefended people. And it's quite the horrific scenario, but it's a very likely scenario. So it shows us from both sides what it's like to be in that undefended state and what it's like to be in the defended state and what it's like to progress through an America over a year's time. So it's, it's very illuminating, and it allows the reader to really get a sense of how devastating it is and how important it is to, to defend and how important it is for us to unite now because a half-defended America and a half-undefended America is not what we want. We want a fully defended America. And it can be done. You know, it's low cost and it's simple. It just requires the will. And, and so let's let's go back into the Safe States Project just for a minute. So at safestatesproject.com, they'll yeah. f- they'll find information about how – go into a little bit more detail there. Sure, sure. Well, its primary uh, purpose is to distribute a simple three-step countermeasure. And anybody can look at this countermeasure, and they can use it to defend their family. And we can talk a little bit about what that countermeasure is, and we can make it simple. You know, uh, we we mentioned the Faraday cage, and just a little bit more about that. I'm sure a lot of your listeners have heard of the Faraday cage. Uh, I know you have. And uh, Faraday cage is, in the simplest of terms, it's a it's a metal enclosure that when you put something inside of it and it's sealed properly, it will protect that equipment from outside interference and primarily an electromagnetic pulse. So if we use that Faraday cage in a very special way and if we all preserve the same basic equipment, the critical equipment we need to communicate, uh, so ham radios, critical equipment we need to maintain our private transportation, uh, our power needs, and our special needs. You know, a lot of people have medical issues, and uh, a lot of that can be solved if we preserve critical backup equipment. So 
so the countermeasure spells that out, and it it gets people to use these very simple enclosures to preserve a backup set of equipment. Hopefully, we never have to use it, but if we do, it's there. And we combine that with, uh, you know, a, a prescribed amount of emergency stores, food, water, and essentially it's creating a safe zone around your home. And uh, then you, you combine that with uh, established procedures, you know, when do we do something, how do we do it, and why. And that's really what the countermeasure is. And it allows individuals to set up a little safe zone around their home, their apartment, their community. And really that's where we're trying to get this to go is, is from the homes, get the homes secured, the neighborhoods secured, and the communities. Uh, a lot of people can do this, but a lot of people can't for financial reasons. And that's where the community comes in, that the community establishes community shielding where they preserve critical communications, they preserve the uh, critical equipment that will allow them to receive food from around the area and distribute food from around the area. So in its simplest terms, Steve, it's a prearranged system, a prearranged backup, and it's simple, and sometimes the most simplest things work the best, and that's kind of that's kind of what we're promoting. Hardening is good, but hardening doesn't doesn't cut it because if if our grids are hardened and the people aren't, there's no workforce to go out there and reharness those grids. We need both. But if we can't get hardening, at least we have community shielding and the people can survive and we can rebuild. I appreciate you sharing all that. You know, it's interesting because I think one of the problems that we have is that it it all sounds like something out of a zombie novel, zombie apocalypse. It does, doesn't it? Yes, you know that. Right. Minus the zombies, but the, you know the, the grid coming down and all this sort of stuff. And I think, you know, maybe it's almost like, um, the idea that we've become, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, it, we we it's just not something that we think is real anymore because it seems to be just part of uh, everyday um, talk and conversation about things that are not real. And, right, folklore and such. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, and and again, we're we're conditioned to to believe that, and our minds have a real hard time going down that rabbit hole. You know, we've all experienced a power outage, but it's it's no big deal. You know, in fact, we had one over the weekend ourselves. It's no big <laughs> deal because our cars still work, our you know our cell phones still work. And we can drive down to the store and get food, whatever we need, water. We can communicate, and there's no concern. But you've got to think about what would it be like if, you know, let's say it's a, a Wednesday afternoon. It's it's 1 o'clock. Uh, you've got a wife and two kids, and you're on the job site. And suddenly, America gets attacked with a high-altitude EMP weapon, and everything goes down. So now you're at the job site, you have no phone, you have no car, there's no running water anywhere, and uh, your wife is at work as well, and you can't communicate with her, she has no phone, no car, your kids are at school, they're stuck, and you're all 20 miles away from home, 
And, you know, that's just the first day. So how do you get home? You're going to have to walk home. And every single American is in the same boat. And this goes on and on. And, you know, you got day one, week one, month one. And that's when it starts getting very, very bad. There's a lot of bad people in the world. And when bad people get desperate, terrible, terrible things happen. And, you know, we're, we're really talking about uh, apocalyptic stuff, biblical stuff, all those big bad words. But it's real, and it's not a conspiracy. And that's what's, uh, that's what's amazing. And I, I think this is, I appreciate you wanting to get the word out about understanding this. And, you know, one of the, th- one of the things that uh, I want to make sure that uh, um, we kind of talk about here a little bit is, uh, um, you know, what sort of, you know, if you, if you wanted somebody to remember one thing that you're talking about today with us, what would it be? Mm-hmm. That um, our death is preventable. It's preventable. And it's not difficult and it's not expensive. It's something that America can do. And we're simply not doing it because the powers that be are more interested in defending themselves and their their careers. So that's a very, very bad recipe. So, yeah, the one thing I'd like everybody to, to remember is that we are on the, on the cusp of losing it all, and our families are could suffer greatly and die. You know, the experts say 90% of us die within less than a year, and I suspect it would be much less than a year. So that is preventable, and we must break through that brick wall and prevent it. We must be uh, safe, and right now we're unsafe. Gotcha. They, uh, what's well, it? It's a valuable message, and I appreciate you being, you know, getting people's attention and spending time trying to do that. And you know, before right. we go, if if someone, you know, if they wanted to find out more or connect with you, where would where would you send them? I'd go to the safetakeproject.com. Okay. Go there and look at the countermeasure and and read it. And, you know, it, it talks about our, our government's plan to harden and how the, you know, it hasn't been hardened. This has been a long time they've been trying to do this. And it just, it hasn't happened. And unfortunately, it won't happen while we've got a divided government. We need a united government to do this. So... You know, we've got to fill the gap somewhere, and if you go to the safestateproject.com, you'll get uh, a lot of information on, on what that gap is and how we can fill it and how if we just join the same team and we start organizing our voice and start the process of defending our families, step by step, we'll get there. But if we don't do anything, we'll never get there. So... Safe States is, it's an attempt to break through the brick wall, and uh, anybody out there who's concerned about this, and they should be, uh, they can go there, and they can, we can all help each other get through. Excellent. And uh, I'll make sure that we have a link to uh, safestates.com in the show notes, as well as uh, a link to, to, your, to the book. And... Uh, um, titled Safe States. Fantastic. Don, I appreciate you spending your time today. And I got Fantastic. I got 
two last questions that have there's something I like to ask my guests, and they have nothing to do with our topic. So, if you can bear with me, yes, there. Um, <laughs> absolutely. And the first one goes like this: If you had the chance to talk with an audience of teachers and administrators about working with kids, mm-hmm. what is what is something that you would want to share with them? Hmm. Well, I would I would ask that our educators out there, the people on the front line teaching our kids, to teach them uh, the fact that there are always two sides to the coin. And it's imperative that as kids learning uh, the rules of the world and the science of the world uh, and the politics and all of that, it's critical that they learn both sides of the coin to be informed. You know, uh, Beware the the social cliques and the group think, and learn both sides of the coin, and make make your own decisions. Uh, and I think with that, you're allowed to do critical thinking. That would be my recommendation. Awesome. Inspire critical thinking. Awesome. I like that. <laughs> Very nice. So, last question I have is: Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? And if so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? You know, I had several. I had several, and, uh, you know, I tell you, as a kid, I was um, I was kind of uh, un- undirected until I met a few of my teachers who helped direct me and helped kind of light a fire, and that's what I was thinking for, lighting that fire, lighting that passion, letting me know that, you know, there's there's a purpose. We all have a purpose, and it's our job to go find what that purpose is. And it requires search, and it requires critical thinking, and it requires motivation. So those those teachers, those good teachers I had in the past, they provided that that fire that gave me the motivation to move forward and accomplish things. So we need more of those. Those are the good teachers. Those are the the teachers that make change. That's awesome. I appreciate it. That's, you know, it's uh, it almost, uh, I think just about everyone. I've only had like two people tell me one time, uh, no, they just want to get rid of me. <laughs> but um, I, I think most of us have had somebody in our, in our background uh, who was a I, teacher of some sort that uh, helped us. So cool. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so yes. Don, I, I greatly appreciate your time today. I thank you for sharing with us Safe States and the Project Safe State stateproject.com as well as uh, talking about the EMP threat that we have to our country. Um, the, uh, you know, it's, I appreciate the message that you're trying to get out and, uh, I continue, I wish you the best of success with, with what you're doing. And, uh, um, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Steve. It was a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Teaching learning leading K-12 is excited to be a member of voice ed radio. Voice ed radio. Your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. 
Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends.